Welcome into this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan and Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we become in the process. Now let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. What's up, 2018? It is good to see ya. I don't know about you guys, but I learned so much in 2017. Super thankful and grateful for everything that it put me through because I feel like I'm going into this year just a little bit smarter and a little bit more myself than I was at this point last year. So for that, I feel really grateful. I am continuing a series now with Stu Singer. We talked to Stu about a month ago and told you guys once a month we're going to try to tap into his knowledge with sports psychology and what he's doing at his company in the Boston area, Well Performance, and get a little bit more info about how we can get through these injuries. So Stu and I dove into a good conversation and it kind of goes everywhere. We talk everything from the story that we create in our minds and how that reflects upon what we do in real life. We talk imposter syndrome and we talk failure, how failure is just a journey to success and how we both kind of appreciate failure a little bit more than we ever have before. Fear. Fear is a big topic of this conversation today and how fear is a big part of what Stu deals with every single day. We talk real fear versus perceived fear and educating people upon the two things. And we talk about just showing up, that you're gonna be scared, that you don't have to fake it till you make it, how that's maybe not the best way to go about things, but you do have to show up and you have to be present about how you feel and be okay with kind of exploring those feelings and working through the things that come up. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to this. Here he is, Stu Singer. I can't wait to welcome back Stuart Singer. He is on the podcast again. We told you guys last time that we're going to start to do a once a month chat with Stu and get inside the mind of a sports psychologist and hopefully to help you guys as you recover from injury to use some of the things that he has learned to aid you in your recovery, especially from the mental side. So welcome, Stu. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, we were just chatting about uh, the last podcast and loved having you on. I felt like you had so many great things to say, and um, we are excited to kind of dive back in and get a little bit deeper on some of these topics. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. Yeah, so one of the things that I, I believe it came up the first time we spoke, and unfortunately, we didn't record that first conversation because I think it would have been cool uh, some of the things that we talked about were, um, I don't know, we were just like riffing, right? And everything right. that came up w- was chatted about and mostly from my experiences. But one of the things that you said to me that really stuck with me is um, you started talking about the story we tell ourselves is how we will recover. And I, I'm hoping that you can kind of dive into that a little bit more and let us know what you mean by that. So the story is, you know, in in essence, it's that running narrative that we all have inside of our own heads. Um, And it's that story that that tells us, you know, who we are and who we're not 
um, what we're capable of and maybe what we're not capable of and what we deserve and what we don't deserve. And, you know, so and, and the thing is, is that it's almost impossible to consistently outperform that story, that narrative that we have going on inside of our head. And so obviously that story, whatever it is, is really super powerful and and relevant to our ability to succeed in whatever it is that we're Mm -hmm. dealing with and approaching. And the worst part of it, and, and maybe the best part, depending upon how, where you're at in the process, is that it is literally just that, a story. It is not real, but you 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 give it credence as if it is real because it's the only story you've ever told. It's the only one that you've ever heard inside of your head. And so it's it's that narrative that sometimes when someone else in your family or a teacher or a parent or a coach or you know any mentor or anybody tells you, no, 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 you're way better than than you know, like you're one of the best, you're you're amazing, you're capable, you're competent. And inside you say, wow, I got him fooled. That's not who I am. I'm not that, which is called the imposter syndrome. And so this is something that is, it's, and you just keep telling it and it, and it stays, you know, in this loop almost. And so that also would be the truth in terms of recovery from injury. So Instead of it just being in what can I accomplish in my sport, now it's what can I accomplish in terms of my physical recovery. Mm-hmm. Am I the kind of person who recovers and, and comes back stronger than ever, or am I not? Um, and and that, so that story is unbelievably important and relevant in the process. And is that something you said it's almost impossible to outperform the narrative that cre- you create in your head? So even if you're telling yourself, um, you know, one way or the other, if you think super positive and your narrative is very positive, can you outperform that or is it get you closer to performing like that? And then same negative, right? If you always are thinking negative, will it ever get worse than maybe what you're thinking it will be? Or is that kind of the, what your brain tells yourself, those are kind of the bookends, positive and negative, of what can actually happen. What am I asking makes sense? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, put it this way. You know, has anybody that's ever had doubt in their mind still succeeded? Absolutely. And has anybody that's had supreme, like, I can do this, we can do this, it's going to happen, not reached that, you know, the the success that they were thinking? Of course. Again, my words, you know, and and you, you repeated it exact, which is, that it's really hard to outperform consistently mm. that those you know those that story that you tell. So it's the consistency of it. And so, like, if 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 your framework is a super positive framework, then then what you're going to do probably is just come close to it over and over again. Yeah. Whatever that, in in essence, whatever the boundary line is that you create. So let's say it's a, a very high boundary line then you come closer to it. But if the if the boundary line happens to be average at best, or even sometimes not even average, then you're probably going to just go right up to that boundary line. And and so that's really, I think, if that makes sense to what 
the question was, I think that's really the way of thinking about it. It and, absolutely and, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Is it kind of to the concept of like fake it till you make it? Well, it is <laughs> to a certain extent, yeah. but here, here's where that one kind of go. There, there's <laughs> cause I can, I can argue that concept in both directions. Me too. Still, yeah, for sure. I want, I want you to be honest and, and, say yeah. kind of your thoughts behind that because I, I don't think faking it till you make it is always good right because you do talk about that imposter syndrome and that in a sense fake it till you make it is a little bit of that right like everybody else thinks that you're okay but when inside you're not really yeah telling exactly. yourself the same thing exactly like when we are at our best we are actually our, our authentic self we are who we are so faking it does not make us feel good does that make yeah. sense mm -hmm. faking is never actually a good place for us to be because we're not being authentic all right we would much rather i would much rather to be quite honest with you if i have someone that's that's struggling with overcoming a, an injury and they're in the process and it's a long battle and they know it's a long battle and they're just like in that place of realizing all the you know they're grieving all the things that they're not going to be able to do over the next nine months mm -hmm. you know 10 months or whatever length of time it's going to be man i don't want them to fake it i want them to acknowledge the those discomforts i want them to be able to say this is how i feel and it and it's not great and because what are we going to do to get better if i don't even know that that's what's going on yeah and isn't it better, even in times where we're struggling emotionally, to acknowledge it rather than try to act as if we're not? Because if we act as if we're not, yet it's there, what's going to happen is we're going to, yeah, it's just going to stay there. There is no, there's no or growth. Surface in, a, surface in a different emotion that could be more damaging. All the above, mm -hmm. right? Totally agree with that. And so, but... Here and, and so that's to me the bigger picture of why I say, okay. ah, you know, fake it. I, I'm not, I'm not like that's not the direction. But here is the other side of it. Yeah. Sometimes we show up, whether it be at practice, um, while we are competing and, and, and performing, or sometimes it's going to be at PT uh, after injury, and we're not going to feel like being there, and we're not going to feel super positive, and and that's realistic. But the other end of it is, is sometimes you have to kind of say, you know what, I'm not real excited right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to get into that place. You know, I'm going to get into the place where I'm going to be as positive as I possibly can be right now. And I'm going to try to get my energy levels up and I'm going to, you know, if it's a practice, I'm going to try to cheer for teammates and, and get fired up for successes, you know, even though I got a lot on my plate, you know, and I'm just not feeling it today because sometimes the action sparks the feeling yeah well I was thinking that the whole time you were talking about you know showing your emotions but one of the difficult things about being an injured athlete who's on a team is those moments where you're like all right this isn't about me right now you know this is about the team but even it being about the team you know you're sitting on the sideline cheering your team on but like even in those moments where you're focused on the team and what they're doing it's still hard to um, not feel like, man, I wish I could be out there. How do you deal with 
Is that what you were talking about of just showing up and trying to stay present in the moment of, okay, I'm going to focus on this particular thing. And maybe that's going to help me that positivity and helping a player on my team will help the team. And then maybe it'll help me. That is a hundred percent it, right? Is that one of the things that, you know, one of the techniques sometimes that I discuss with the athletes that I work with is, you know, get out of you and into them. Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean it in a, you know, you're so selfish, get out of yourself type of way. I mean, it's, it's actually twofold. One is, is just by, you know, be a good teammate. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of the process is be a good teammate. But the other part is a lot of times when we're at our worst, it's because we're overthinking us. (laughs) We're too into our own, you know, struggle, which actually typically isn't that bad of a struggle. Like we, you know, we can handle it, but, but, but it's the overthinking. It's the, it's the, um, retreating into ourself that really makes it difficult. And so if we can kind of get into them, all of a sudden we can't overthink us. Yeah. And so in the short term, I, the fake it till you make it makes sense. When I say short term for the moment, what does the moment call for? And sometimes the moment calls for you to be selfless. And so you have to fake, I'm not all that excited right now because I wish I was out on the field, but you know what, what the moment calls for is me to let go of my ego, look, let go of my self-centeredness and, and really put my energy into them. And, and that's okay. Faking. If you want to call it faking what I, and, but, but the bigger picture of fake it till you make it, I, I completely, I would argue against, which is no, like the best thing that we can possibly be is learn how to be our, our authentic self, um, and to be honest about where we are at any given moment and, and be accepting of it and, and learn how to manage it rather than try to fake being something that we're not. Right. And the story that we're telling ourselves that, you know, that's included in our story as much as we're, you know, it is those moments, I think, that we are so self-consumed and it's, it's natural, right? Like that's how we were built as humans. Like we have to take care of ourselves. We have to make sure we're okay before, you know, we can take care of other people. But sometimes in that, the midst of being so self-consumed and doing that, it's really hard to get out of those bad moments that when you focus on someone else or when you give back, when you lose yourself in a creative outlet, when you focus on the team, that actually can help you heal and get through the process a little bit better because it's not all about you or your injury. And you're not constantly thinking about I'm injured, I'm injured, I'm injured. It takes your focus off of you onto something else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the things with injury is that it makes you reevaluate purpose, right? Your purpose. Like, you know, you know, if you've been an athlete your whole life and you get injured, all of a sudden in a really quick, like basically hit a brick wall moment, you're like, what am I now? What, you know, even, even if you know, you're going to be back at some point, point it, it, it's this like not enough time to prepare for it moment where you question what my purpose is and and you know as an injured athlete like when you pour into your team you're finding a new purpose you're actually for the first time maybe 
understanding how important it is for others when you give them that level of energy and, and support, mm-hmm. you know, like because you, before you were too consumed with your own right. performance. I just spoke with a uh, professional soccer player, Kendall Johnson, yesterday actually about her journey and um, she she not only had a torn ACL but she dealt with um, really severe concussion for about a year and a half she didn't play for um, 21 months so she was you know you know a lot of emotions a lot of struggles going through that injury and she um, didn't play much this season but was on the team that won the women's final um, or won the professional league so the NWSL her team won Mm -hmm. and she was like, you know, it would have been really hard for me before the injury to have played the role that I played now. But she's like, because I was out for so long, I understood more what it actually meant to be a teammate and how as a team, we function together and it's not perfect, right? And everybody maybe isn't playing the role that they would like, but when you accept your role and you you push to get more playing time or, or whatever it is. But when you say, okay, this is my role. I'm going to do everything I can to be the best teammate that I can be, not the best soccer player. Maybe um, you, she's found like so much satisfaction in in winning the championship, how she won it. And she's like, if I hadn't ever gone through injury and I don't know if I would have had that same feeling. So, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's like one of those things where it's the proverbial like blessing in disguise, right? Yeah. And, and that we have to be open to what lessons we learn during adversity. Like we spend so much of our life, especially as athletes, because we're preached this to be prepared to prevent adversity and challenge and struggle almost mm-hmm. rather than than kind of welcoming. Yeah adversity and challenge and struggle as inevitable within the process. And so two things happen. One is we were not quite as um, fearful of those moments. So we don't play uh, or, or approach our experience, whatever, you know, like, again, whether we relate it to actual performance or, or recovery or, you know, rehab performance. And the other part of it is that then it becomes part of the process for growth. Right. You know, like then we're like, ah, I know what I, I you know, I'm going to get something from this. We might not even know what the lesson is or, uh, initially. She didn't know what that lesson was going to be. Mm-hmm. She kind of retroactively learned it through it. And that's, you know, when, when you can reframe all of this that way, I mean, it's just so much more powerful. Yeah. And something that you just spoke on about failure and how as athletes we, um, you know, failure is something that I think in order for us as athletes to think we should succeed, we don't feel like we should ever fail. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so backwards, right? Because you think of every single training session that you do, whether you're on your own with your team, with a coach individually, whatever it is, you are failing time and time and time and time and time again, right? The only path to success is actually failure. Correct. Like literally correct. No, it's literally correct. There is no, um, you know, if, if all we ever do is what we are already able to succeed at, 
then we can never grow. We can never become more. We, you know, if you want to become a good piano player, you have to do something you've never been able to do before, and you're probably going to mess it up. <laughs> you know, right. if you want to become a better soccer player, um, you're going to have to 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 do something with your opposite foot that you can't currently do, or your or or a skill that you don't yet have. Mm-hmm. And when you first do those, you're obviously going to fail at them. You're not going to just do them correctly the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to the next level is, you know, like, wow, I was really good at this level. And then I moved to the next level and all of a sudden it's faster, it's stronger. Everybody's just as competent, but they got more experience. So at first you feel like I can't do this. And then if you can stick with it long enough, all of a sudden you find yourself, ah, I can move at this pace. I can think as quickly as what they're thinking. And, and so the whole process becomes one of failure until succeed. That's so funny. I was just thinking in my brain, like we should change uh, practice or uh, training Instead of calling it that, we should just call it fail until you succeed. <laughs> I'm going out to um, my team. We're going to fail until we succeed. <laughs> because then it takes the fear away from it, right? And fear is such a big, um, you know, failure has the the word itself has this sense of it holds this. It can hold this power of like fear for some people. Yeah. And so if you apply that same thing. To, to rehab, like I, there are so many times where I'm working with, you know, with an athlete who they're like so fearful of the next appointment when they are getting measured for how much range of motion they have that mm-hmm. day. And it's, and it's like, okay, well I get it. And of course we want to hit every benchmark along the way. Of course we do. Yeah. But a benchmark is literally just a benchmark. It's not a, it's not an absolute you know, and so if you're not there, you know, if you're supposed to be at, I don't know, 90 degrees and you're not there, okay, so let's reevaluate. Let's look. Yeah. Was it, you know, did, did we not do something? Is there something that we could have done better? Was it, you know, was it my mindset? Was it the icing afterwards that I didn't think I necessarily needed to do? And now I'm realizing maybe that was really important. I should have done that. You know, these are, they don't have to be only failure and negative it can be a learning point but yeah. but we have yeah. to we have to use it that way mm-hmm. and you know i touched on fear a little bit but in in talking about the story that we create in our brain what role does fear play in that story and in the rehab process in general because for a lot of people i mean even even for me still today i think that fear uh controls me in a way from resisting to do certain things just because I'm fearful of what may happen if I do that. Yeah. So fear is, um, unfortunately the, the backbone of what I do. I mean, it's at the, it's at the, um, it's at the absolute core of what I do. And the reason, and, and, and the reason I say that is it's, it's actually, I think the um, the place that everybody really needs to start from to really understand their mind, because fear is the brain's um, you know the brain's most powerful. Um, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, um, priority mm-hmm. is survi- mm-hmm. is survival. Right. And so when 
when we use, you know, when it, when it feels something that's preventing survival or could get in the way of survival, uh, the feeling of fear is what comes up. So we actually sometimes talk about fear in a way that's not realistic, which is that we should, you know, we try to tell our kids, uh, young people, never to feel fear, to be fearless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like this really great, like, commercial, <laughs> but it's not, it's not real life. And because fear has this, like, first of all, unbelievably powerful instinct in us that we cannot, it's so hardwired into us and it is so fast and so immediate that we can't stop it from happening. Yeah. So at our very core, fear is the, the literally the greatest, um, most powerful driver, uh, in us. Um, and so it, it does drive us. So what, what we need to get really good at is differentiating between real fear and perceived fear. So real fear would be, um, I'm walking towards the edge of a cliff. And as I get closer and closer to the edge of the cliff, every instinct, every fiber in your body tells you to be careful and back away. Mm -hmm. That's real fear because if you go over the edge, you die. Perceived fear is more of like what you were alluding to, which is there are still times where there's things that I know I should do, but I don't want to do them because I don't think I'm good at them. I might not succeed. I might look bad. Um, It might be really difficult, more difficult than I care to do right now. Um, Might put me in an uncomfortable place. Any of those things. And, And so those are somewhat perceived fears. They're not they're not danger. There's not true danger on the other side of them, but there is discomfort. Right. And I think it's difficult in the injury recovery process, especially when you've never gone through an injury or gone through an injury like an ACL where there are these moments of, you know, pain too, right? So the pain can make you fearful of what's next. And and some of that pain is the pain that is real fear, right? But some of that pain is okay, I got to work through this scar tissue because if I don't and I don't go through this pain, then I won't be able to have full range of motion. So that perceived fear there with the pain can almost prevent you. So how do you differentiate between the two? Is there Do you have some good tactics for people to start thinking about what the fears are that are coming up in their mind? Well, I, I do think that part of the process is education, right? And, and so part of our fear in rehabilitation is that it is the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so a good, you know, first of all, a good surgeon mm-hmm. uh, to start the process. And then, and then after the fact, whoever's treating you and then doing your, you know, your recovery, your rehab, your, your PT, should be giving you true, they should be educating you on the process. Right. And so part is nothing more than, the more information I can get, even though I've never been through it, even though somebody's telling me that this part is going to hurt, there's a reason for it and it's essential. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking real quick of, you know, I, I think I mentioned <clears throat> in the last podcast that I had a uh, herniated disc in my lower back yes. and, and had the operation when I was 22, 23 years old. And, and literally that afternoon they were like, okay, you got to get up. We're going to try to walk. Hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm right? 
like no way am I getting up to walk. First of all, I, I was, you know, unclear, clearly uncomfortable, but I was also just, no, I just had surgery on my back, like walking, you know, like no way I'm not, I'm not doing this. And, you know, it did, I think I did resist a little bit. I was, you know, I'm relatively good patient, but, mm-hmm. but I think I did resist. And, and they basically said, look, this is it. You need to get up. You're going to be all right. You know, like, and yeah, it might hurt a little bit or whatever, but you got to get up and move because this is how you begin to heal. Right. And, and, and you know, so part of it is the acceptance of the difference between pain that's just like, oh, my God, is this what it's supposed to be? And somebody, you know, in essence, giving you a head heads up like, yeah, it, this is going to be uncomfortable and difficult and you're all right. You know, this is, it's nothing outside of the norm. So there's also a trust and a almost like letting go of this control that you think you have over it. You, you have to trust that these people that are educating you have, are telling you the right thing, right? But also have to let go of not only the fear, but your ability to, the, these people know more. And so I have to put my trust in them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, if there's any, um, you know, athletic trainers, any PTs out there, it's just to remember that this is, you know, this is a reminder of what's going on in, in, inside of them. So, you know, I, I've seen it where, you know, people that have been on the side of being the trainer or the PT, they, they can get frustrated quickly. Like, come on, I'm telling you to do this, just do it, mm-hmm. you know, because they've been through it so often that they know already, like, this is fine, just do it. But, but each patient, is probably new to it. Yeah. And so, so you have to be a little bit patient. You have to have a little bit of that bedside manner and you have to, um, and you have to teach, you know, part of this is about educating them on it, that, that while this is going to be uncomfortable, um, this is why we're having you do it. Um, yeah. Do you think a part of, um, recognizing what kind of fear it is too, is, you know, to minimize the perceived fear is just, as patients asking questions, you know, asking questions to your doctor, asking questions to your PT. Why are we doing this? What are we going to do? Why do I choose this graft? Um, just to educate yourself, but taking some, a little bit of ownership over that education process will help you minimize that perceived fear as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, again, getting back to all types of, of performance, um, the difference between stress and anxiety and performance or stress and anxiety in terms of, you know, in, in injury recovery is there are, we, we are naturally um, interested in control. Mm-hmm. We want to control. And when we feel out of control, it creates anxiety and stress for us. And so part of the process is you know, well, wait a second, I'm not in any control in this anymore. Like before I was, now I'm not. And so that doesn't feel great. So when you can take over, and and when I say take over, I mean it in a good way. What are the things that I still do have some control over? What are the things where I can impact because they're mine to impact? And one of them is as simple as being really educated. So I'm going to ask questions, but I'm also going to ask for information. What can I read? Um, what shouldn't I read? You know, like you shouldn't just read up on anything, you know, like 
like make sure that it's coming from a good source and you know and it's connected to the to the people that you're working with and it's valid um but but basically what you're saying is by asking questions and becoming educated you're you feel a sense of control and then when we have a sense of control our anxieties and our stressors go down a bit mm-hmm. maybe not gone but they go down enough, at least enough yeah and i think maybe the next time we speak we can go into one of the mindfulness talks that you have or the guidances that you do because I think being mindful in those moments where you know helps you differentiate the fears right it also helps you reframe your story in those moments where you maybe are telling yourself the wrong story and you need to reframe it but teaching mindfulness is maybe the first step in in getting that going in the right direction yeah, if, if if there's you know anybody that's listening and you and you have, have practiced mindfulness, keep going and go deeper. For the people who are you know have heard of it and have never done it, I, I highly recommend to start. Um, it, you know, and literally, I was uh, just last week talking to an athlete of, of mine who who is going through um, you know had uh, an injury and, and and trying to come back and. Um, and has done, um, the mindfulness in the past. And, you know, I asked where, you know, where they are at this moment with it. And, yeah, you know, I, I probably am not where I need to be. And I, and, you know, and one of the cool things is, okay, start today. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the beauty of it. Um, and, but the reason it's so powerful and, and, you know, what I want to stress in this, and we definitely should do a, you know, do one at, at some point here, but one of the, the reason I want to stress how powerful it is is because exactly what you just said, it allows you to tap into really clearly what's real and what isn't. You can actually name like, wow, I'm feeling anxious. Typically, the reason we feel anxious is because we're predicting something that's in the future. So if you can become present, become aware of what's going on right here, right now, then all of a sudden it's like clear, oh, I'm caught in the future. I'm not present right now. I'm not my thoughts aren't present or I'm, I'm focused on the what if, what if I don't heal right? What if this doesn't work? What if this hurts? What if, and everything that begins with a what if is a, is a prediction. Mm-hmm. And so mindfulness is literally the exercise. It's the mindset workout to becoming clear about what's going on. And once we become clear what's going on, we can then start to filter out what matters and what doesn't. But until we get to that place, then we let all these other distracting and and some that matter and some that don't, some that we have control over, some that we don't, um, messages and thoughts. And but we're letting it all crowd that space. And so it's really hard to become clear on what what it is we should do. And in fact, sometimes what happens is it starts leading us down a path that's totally not the right path, but it's just so powerful that we follow it anyways. Yeah. That's great. And I think it'll be really helpful. I, I love everything that we just talked about. And I think um, there's so many good little things in there that you you speak about. And I, I hope the next time and maybe so February 1st, we can put out a podcast talking, you know, diving into mindfulness and what that is, feels like and sounds like inside your brain and how um, maybe into one of your um you know, just guide and guide us through one of your yeah. trainings. Yeah, I would love to. Absolutely. Great. 
Awesome. Well, Stu, as always, you share so much great information and I and the whole Show Your Scars community is very appreciative of that. So thank you for sharing with us uh, what goes, goes inside um, your daily thinking of trying to help all us athletes through these injuries. Yeah, my pleasure. I love it. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I took so many notes when I spoke with Stu because I felt like there was a lot of things that he said that hit home to me, not only with what I went through when I went through my three ACLs in that process of injury recovery, but that I could be related to what I'm doing now and who I am and the things that you just deal with of being a person every single day. I'm excited to be working with Stu and really pumped because next month he's going to do a mindfulness training with us and part of the podcast is going to be him just guiding us through a mindfulness exercise so make sure you subscribe to the podcast that way this will go straight to your phone when it's released and you can get into that mindful place with Stu when it comes out I'm so thankful for this community I'm excited for 2018 there's so many great things to be happening with show your scars so one of the things I ask for you as I do always is go out there and show your scars with pride. Realize that 2017 doesn't define you. It just figured out a way to show your true character. And I think for a lot of you, that character showed up in big ways, that you're strong, you're resilient, and you can get through anything. So I can't wait to talk to you guys next time. Go out there and show your scars with pride.